Hello, greetings. Nice to see you guys. So I'm actually not preaching tonight, but it is a joy of mine to get to welcome and to introduce to you guys a gentleman who's going to be speaking tonight. Um, as we were doing announcements, and Amanda was talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus and the many different ways that we do that. Um, it, it, that. To me, I just felt that was a really great way to introduce Nigel because he really is the hands and feet of Jesus here in the Hampton Roads area. And God is using him in mighty ways, not only in his music ministry, but also within the local church and out in the community. And so I know that just from afar, from being connected with him on Facebook and on Instagram, I get a chance to see what Jesus is doing through him and through the local church that he's a part of and throughout the entire, essentially, um, throughout some nations in Africa and the things that um, Nigel's involved with. So tonight we have a guest speaker tonight, Nigel Anderson. You may know him as Legend. He's also a gospel hip-hop artist. So he just oozes gospel content. So he's going to share his testimony with us tonight. But before Nigel comes up here, we have a video that we'd like to share with you guys that will help introduce him even better. And so if you can, please direct your attention to the right and to the left. It's a joy of ours to welcome Nigel here tonight. salvation is it? I wonder if sometimes our place is wasted with it. Do we mistake his gift of life and the grace that's given and make decisions contrary to his prescriptions? Rumors of war, missiles pointed at nations, missing peaceful conversations. We prefer to raise our pistols. We prefer to raise divisions. He tore the wall down. We build them up. Kick against the pricks. What an amazing scrimmage. In the womb, God knit us together in his image, but don't believe in his beginning. So how it's ending? What's the difference? Since 73, we're about to cross 60 million. Fight for the rights of children, then abort them with it. Look over there, see genocide and ethnic cleansing. Look over here, see racial division. We still don't get it. Look outside, find a place to blame our sickness. Blame the atheists who in turn blame all religious systems. Wonder what we're missing. If there's a God, where is he? Where in all of this is? God's omnipotence here. I can't get a grip here. The only thing that is clear. If there's utopia, then we are not here. The distant echo from heaven is do not fear. Maybe we can fix it. We can go on mission, build safe houses, rescue women, clothe the homeless, feed the hungry, care for those in sickness, visit prisons, serve the poor, orphaned, and widowed, build pregnancy centers, be the hands and feet of Jesus, and get politicians who will legislate for that fetus, be the answer for every situation in this worst case, but need to answer why we in this state in the first place. See, all of these are good ideas. I would argue God ideas. When we pray this way, I still believe that it's God who hears all these efforts I would share. But count it all as lost if we never point man to the fact that God appeared in into the Father, set the stage for Golgotha, in into the Son who was foretold by the prophets, exiting heaven, he left behind all of his prophet, existing infinitely, all in time and inside left his riches to walk beside the impoverished, left his throne for those who worship everything that's not him, full power of God encapsulated in his construct, the majestic sacrifice for those who would mock him, we turned away from life, and in our sins we got stuck, enslaved in our iniquity, in our chains till we got judged, left Beryl towards us, he stepped in front to stop blood, the 
power of God then. It's in the eternal vindication of enemies of the God-man, given direct by God's hands, full of grace and truth, giving us the way we did not plan. Ended the problem how only my God can. So here's the bad news. We were removed from his countenance to be separated forever by our sinless mountains. Eternal life available from the very one who fashioned us. The good news is he stepped in our death to get us out of it. This is so immaculate. Conceive the unconceivable. The heaven could reach down to redeem the unredeemable. Can you believe the unbelievable? A poor Jewish man from Nazareth's death and resurrection is the only key for you that he can hit the cross and bleed for you. That he would even beseech for you. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they even mean to do. That he would ascend above it all. That he would take the seat of truth. Every tongue will confess to his Lord. And every knee will too and add his name. All of creation takes a pause. And heaven gives a thunderous applause. It stares at him in awe. Recognizing the supremacy of God. God's idea to put his son upon the cross. The creator of it all. Would trade his holy son for those who's lost. It's not possible to calculate this cost. And I'll never be ashamed that the power of God would never be in our deeds. But indeed the gospel of God. Not gaze at him in awe. Hey everybody, how art thou? I grew up in Pentecostal church, so sometimes you got to speak in King James, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> uh, let me pray for us, man. I'm really happy to be here. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much, and um, we just appreciate you for who you are, and we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise that we are uh, allowed and able to live today, that we have breath, that we get to take up some space on this beautiful earth you've allowed us to stay on. And uh, that you've invited us into your kingdom through your grace, through your forgiveness, and that you're patient with us, dealing with us, and uh, just that you give us a chance to glorify you and return the love to you that you've given to us. I pray, God, that in these moments, we will glorify you a bit more, looking at your word, looking at each other, uh, that we leave here fulfilling your great commandment, loving you more and loving each other more than before we came in. And uh, we give you this time. We want to say special prayer for Pastor Justin and Stephanie as they're faithfully going through everything that they're going through, trusting you all the way through it, even in the middle of broken humanity and broken situations, God, they're trusting the God of all creation to put things back together. And we believe you for that. And we thank you for the testimony in the middle of that. Uh, we bless you and we love you dearly in Christ's name. Amen. That's fun to be here, man. You guys all right? That's cool, man. It's good to see you guys. I had fun Come back here. Yo, Justin said it was like, I don't know if you're here last time I came. It was like two years ago. I thought it was like six months ago. Uh, you guys are all getting old, not me. It's crazy. Um, but no, it's, 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 it's fun to be here, man. Uh, you know, Justin and I have been trying to find some time to get back here. And, you know, Stephanie's thing kept getting rescheduled. So we, we were able to work it out. So, uh, but my name is Nigel Anderson. Um, I uh, have the privilege of being married to this beautiful lady here, Tia. Uh, she's, uh, you know, we met in seventh grade, started dating in 12th. So I tell everybody my game was so good, it took me five years to get a number, you know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, we got two beautiful kids, Shekinah's eight, Josiah's five, and happy to have a good family. Uh, I'll tell you a bit about my story a little later, um, but I have the privilege of being a gospel hip-hop artist who goes by legend. It's just Nigel backwards. It's as creative as I can get with it, you know? And it just says that uh, Jesus took my life, flipped it around. So that's the whole point of that. Um, thanks. So uh, I just dropped a this shameless plug. I dropped the EP yesterday. It's not shameless. I'm not ashamed at all. Uh, so it's, 
I dropped it yesterday. It's called Dark Room, and that song is on it. I would love for you to go Apple Music, Spotify, whatever you do, pick it up. That music video, I'm praying, will get just shown in churches uh, as, a, as a way just to artistically help pastors continue to illustrate the gospel to folks. So there are cards out there. Grab one, and I'd love to meet you uh, on the way out. So, um, so I just I wanted to keep it simple today. Like, I really wanted to come with something like super deep that make me sound smarter than I am. Because if you use like Greek and Hebrew and a lot of words with more than three syllables, people like really get impressed, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I don't have anything really deep. I was just praying like, what, what should I talk about? And I think I just wanted to give a bit of my testimony and then go to something very core to the gospel. Um, don't know, you know, if you're in this room and you're not a believer or where you are on your walk, but I just wanted to go back to something really simple, uh, the essence of forgiveness. Um, because I just know as humans, we know there's, that's the whole starting point of this whole story with Jesus. Like, that's where everything begins, but we're still human beings, and we struggle with that thing sometimes, don't we? Yes, no, maybe so. Like, it's just sometimes stuff pops up, and you're just like, ah, I got to forgive again? Yes, you do, but it's hard. And um, I wanted to just talk about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, and I'll tell you why, why that's kind of important. So um, when I look at Jesus... And, and uh, I appreciate the things that Anthony said and how, how, you know, Jesus pops up in our lives. If he is who he said he is, and in order to believe the gospel, you've got to believe that he is who he said he is. Jesus made some very radical, extreme, crazy claims if they were wrong. Um, and if they were right, they just, you absolutely have to pay attention. But he didn't give us this option of, you know, maybe he's a good guy or a good teacher. He didn't leave that on the table. Like, postmodernism wants that to be he's one amongst many options of spirituality or moral teachers to follow. But he didn't, when you read his words and the things he said, he didn't leave that option on the table. He either is who he said he is or he was a liar or a lunatic or something worse, right? Um, C.S. Lewis said that. I love it. So, so I think of Jesus being who he said he is, starting with that framework. He steps into our life, like the video said. He steps into this existence. He leaves the throne rooms of heaven, steps into a dirty manger and lives in the hood of Nazareth. Nazareth was not a great place to live. So much so when they said, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Nazareth. They was like, ooh. You know, that's, that's, that's what my Bible says. My Bible says, ooh, in one of the verses. Because it was like, does anything good come from Nazareth? In my translation, I said, ooh. So I read the NIV. That's the Nigel interpreted version. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so he, he picks 12 guys who aren't qualified either. Right, fishermen, never been to school, uh, tax collectors who are betraying their people, et cetera, et cetera. Peter, who's a hothead and who has a knife, and he, you know, he swings his sword at the end and starts chopping people's ears off, which means you're really bad with a sword if you had a whole body and all you could hit was an ear and you had a sword. I just don't want Peter on my security team, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, dude, you gotta do more than an ear if somebody's coming for me. But, uh, so he picks these 12 <laughs> unqualified guys. And he says, I'm going to teach you about what all of creation is like, and I'm going to do it in three and a half years, and then I'm going to leave, and then you're going to flip the world upside down. And they're like, cool, we're in for the ride. We just want to be part of the crew. Um, and Jesus starts doing things way upside down. So in the beginning, in Mark 1, he comes, and it's just going to be like conversational. So, again, I wish it was deeper, but maybe next time. So it's, it's this thing where he pops up on the scene in Mark 1, 14, and he says, listen, uh, here's why I'm here. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Like, repent, turn from your sin, and believe the gospel. Turn to your Savior. Dude, that's what I'm here to talk about. 
And then he does that for three and a half years. And at the end of that thing, in Matthew 28, he leaves them a great commission. And he's like, listen, go into all the world and teach people all this stuff that I just said. This is my last earthly instruction to you. Go do that, and everything's going to be fine. And then he's out. Right? I actually hope that sound effect happened, because that would be kind of cool. Um, in the middle of that, they ask a smart question. And they say, hey, man, would you teach us how to pray? Because we really don't know the right way to do that. And he says, yeah, I'll teach you how to pray. He skips through a couple of things. I'm thinking Jesus is going to do, I said, I come from Pentecostal church. I know what long prayers sound like. You know what I'm saying? Um, and Jesus gives like a couple of lines and says, do that and y'all will be fine. And one of the main things he fleshes out is this idea of forgiveness in the middle of that prayer. So I'm going to go to Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I don't have it on the screens. I'm just going to read it to you. Feel free to go there. I'll give you a second if you want. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Then he starts skipping through a couple of things. He's like, listen, when you start praying, don't spend all these words. Don't do it so people see you. Don't waste God's time by just blabbing. He already knows what you need before you come. If you want to pray to God, do it like this. And he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. End. This is our Father, hallowed be your name, Holy Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Do your will here. Provide for us. And then he breaks this down. He's like, forgive us for what we've done as we forgive others for what they've done to us, right? And then he says, and keep us from temptation and protect us, amen. And that forgiveness piece is so core to me because that's what he started with, repent, right? You gotta turn from something, which means you need forgiveness. He's pointing this out to us. So I'm gonna pause there in a second and just go to my story. So I was born in Kansas City, Missouri uh, to a very happy, household. My parents had been married for 10 years. My mom's from here and my dad's from D.C. They went there, did some PR work, and he was a news, newscaster, a guy on TV, just, you know, reporting live in the field kind of guy. I don't even know I did anchor. No, anchors are, I don't know. He did that. Um, and, you know, sometimes he would do the stories and, like, would it be holding me and stuff like that. So, but one of the challenges was around the time I was born, my father, uh, you know, both of his parents passed away relatively close to each other, and his first child came on the scene. So, unfortunately, he turned to a little bit of extra alcohol to turn into alcoholism, and then a little bit of drugs that turned into a lot of drugs, and then he just got addicted. So from 10 years of success to now, substance was in there. My mother tried for five years to save her marriage. So five years and three failed rehab attempts later, she said, I got to get my son and get out of here. So we moved back to Virginia Beach. I didn't see my father for another 15 years. So I grew up in a very happy household, amazing household, um, dragged the church, all that type of stuff. Um, but I didn't see my dad, and that became a real defining thing for me. And it's somewhere around the age of 12, 13 or so when you realize, oh, shoot, he's not here because he doesn't want to be. Like, and and the, the bubble bursts of all these stories I made up in elementary school at the lunch table, like, oh, my dad's a, a secret agent. He's out there saving the world, or he's a ninja or something. And like, wait, now I got to deal with reality. He doesn't, something's more important than me. And it kind of snaps. And the bitterness begins, and the unforgiveness starts to build, and the, oh, man, well, F you too then, and all that stuff starts to happen. I'm just, I'm just, that's the stuff that's going on, you know what I'm saying? And so that happened. So then at the age of 20, I was a good, I was a good kid, too. I didn't do, I wasn't out here wilding out, but I just, that bitterness was still there, just like everything else. At the age of 20, I get a letter in the mail, handwritten letter on yellow legal pad saying, I want to see you and make up for missing out. 
So he comes down to Virginia Beach. I meet him at Mahi Ma's on the Strip. Anybody ever been to Mahi Ma's on the Strip, Virginia Beach? Real good fish. I haven't been there in a while. I meet him there. This is ADD kicking in. So I meet him there. And uh, I, we had this weird, awesome encounter. Like this dude was, I hadn't seen him in 15 years. All I had was a memory or two. And he was just like me. And we're, we're, we're laughing at stuff and telling corny jokes and using big words that probably weren't real and definitely didn't fit the context in which we said them and stuff, trying to impress people around us that don't matter like this. I'm like, oh, that's where I get it from. So it's just all of that. That's, that's why I'm mad about the sermon tonight, because it's not deep, you know what I'm saying? But like, I'm like, wow, that's where, that's where I come from. And at the end of this encounter, he was like, would you forgive me? And I pushed him in his chest and said, man, never. I ain't going to forgive you. This is all I got. I've only known, I've only learned how to hate you. Like, I can't give this up. This is all I need. And this is my only chance to get you back, bro. I can't let that go. Like, I need this, and you deserve it. This is what you get for never sending a dime, for calling me like four times. Nah, nah I'm good, bro. I'm good. So for nine months, he would call. Hey, man, would you, would you forgive me? No, nah, man, F you. Click, hang up. And just, I was enjoying holding back forgiveness. Um, because he, didn't, he didn't, didn't deserve it. And that's true. He did not deserve it. So I held on to that. And he kept seeking forgiveness. Here's the point. Jesus steps on the scene and says, there is no greater lesson in life than the lesson of forgiveness. And it's such a simple concept that we think we get it because we know it's right. But if it was right, we wouldn't struggle with it, man. I struggle with it. You struggle with it. But that is the, the whole concept of forgiveness is the gospel in itself. It's the reality that we have done something that needs to be forgiven for and that God has made unearnable forgiveness available to us. And, this, and, it, and this, it shatters the paradigm that you're just good on your own and, and you're a good person and you're not perfect. You mess up sometimes, but you're inherently good. It shatters that lie of a paradigm that says, no, the reverse is true according to God Almighty, that you're inherently bad. Like, if you were inherently good, there would be nothing to make up for. There would be no imperfection. There wouldn't have to be the, well, we're just human conversation, right? Where's the scale of where the bad person begins? Where are we like, well, we're okay, but at least we're not that guy. No, we all need forgiveness. We don't want to believe it. We don't want to think about it, but it's true. And the beauty of the gospel is, is that you don't deserve forgiveness, but I'm going to step into your life and offer it to you anyway. Because in spite of the fact that you don't deserve it, I love you still. I fully know everything about you, and I'm going to go out of my way and love you still. I think the reality of how unforgivable we, are, we should be to a perfect God and that he would step in still makes the love that much sweeter that God has for us. Uh, so forgiveness, right? It says forgive us our debts. Debt is when you owe somebody something. And forgiveness is when what you owed is let go. It's done. You, pay, you, you, know, you pay off a debt. Is 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 forgiven, right? It's done. Or they let it go. It's forgiven, right? If you disrespect me, you owe me an apology. If I disrespect you, I owe you an apology. And as long as I hold on to that offense that you owe me an apology, you still owe it to me. And now you've got a weight that you owe something to me. Now whether you pay attention to it or not, that's another situation. I know a lot of people don't pay their bills, but what I'm saying. Like, whether you pay that or not, that's a different situation. There's a weight for the offender that you owe it, and there's a weight for the offender that is owed to, to me. And he says that that's, this is the core of the gospel. When you're praying 
remember, like right in the middle of your prayer, that this is what I took the most time to talk about. Forgive us ours as we forgive others. And he says, as we forgive in our debtors, he says, there's an expectation. He didn't say, he didn't even say, I know this thought is awesome. He didn't say in a prayer, right, and help us go forgive others. He says, as we have forgiven already. There's an expectation from Jesus Christ that if you're in a relationship with God Almighty, that forgiveness is the mode that you operate in by default. He's like, God, forgive us. I probably screwed up today, but please forgive me as I've already forgiven everybody else because I'm like you in this world and I'm not holding any grudges. You know what I'm saying? It's not like help me go do this and work on it. He's like, no, you've already done it. If you're praying to God, you should already be doing this. Because right after that verse, he says, let me tell you something else about this. He says, all right, now after you say amen, remember this. If you forgive others, your Father in heaven will forgive you. If you don't, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. Sharp words, very frightening, because I know I can struggle with grudges if I'm not careful. Still, on stage, talking to you at church, <laughs> right? You got to have your pastor needs to have more discernment before he allows up here, you know what I'm saying? Because this is the thing. If you don't forgive somebody else, right, or you're not striving to, or you're not working towards that, and that's not the mode you operate in, or you're not fighting for that, you're not like, look, God, I'm struggling to forgive this person, but I need your help. You're not in, in, in that lane, but like grudge holding and hating people is a regular mode. He says like that, your father in heaven is not going to forgive you. Not because there's a works thing here, but because you're probably not in the gospel in the first place. If you don't understand that forgiveness is core to this, and you've got to let go of things that maybe shouldn't be let go of, right? I shouldn't have forgiven my father. He earned it. But the gospel flips our lives upside down. John Piper says this. John Piper is the master of the wordy statements, right? He said, right? And I think he makes up words too, but they sound cool. He says, forgiveness is the release of a perceived debt owed me. Forgiveness is the release of a perceived debt owed me. Maybe not even a real one, but a perceived one. I want to give you two. um, I want to give you another example in addition to the one about my dad. So, um, I have a pastor friend, and he told me this story one time. I, th- I think it's, it's just kind of extreme about forgiveness, but it's, it, 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 you know, it's interesting. So he has this guy, and this guy was, uh, I don't know if the guy was going to his church, but bottom line, he, he called me. He's, he's in the car with this guy on the side of the road in our area, 1 o'clock in the morning. The guy has come back from serving our country on deployment, finds out that his wife has cheated on him. So he's, in the, he's, in, he's talking to my friend, my pastor friend, with the gun in hand, saying, I'm going to kill him. And my pastor friend is like, hey, dude, I can't, I can't let you do that. Um, I, I, can't, I just can't let you do that. Uh, you know, so he's obviously trying to keep him from murdering somebody and going to jail. But he's like, listen, you have every, every biblical right because of what she did here to divorce her and leave your marriage. Because this is one of the instances where Jesus said, if this happens, you got to out biblically. But he says, but I want to call you to this. I want to challenge you to this. Would you please not only not shoot the guy, but would you please forgive your wife and seek to fix that relationship? She doesn't deserve it, but neither do you. And he challenged him to do that. And I want to say this too. Like, um, I think... Pastors get misrepresented in culture a lot. Like, 
a lot of tweet and YouTube videos about people that are not sometimes honoring that role. But for the vat, for every one like weird thing that happens, there's about 50 other people serving the ministry faithfully that will never get acknowledged, that don't get paid enough, that work their butts off and are serving Jesus. And, and, and I just think that um, I, I think it's important for the body to honor pastors serving well. The Bible says that. Give them double the honor. I know guys like that that break all types of paradigms. And he's, and he's, he's like, listen, man, would you please forgive this guy? So he called this guy to forgive, radical forgiveness. I didn't want to forgive my dad. He was absent. But radical forgiveness is required there. Um, I didn't want to forgive him. But nine months into that situation, I, I called him one day. And I wasn't walking with the Lord at the time. So I, but I look back in retrospect, I'm like, man, this had to be Jesus because I wasn't about to do it. And I called him. And I'm like, hey, man, listen, I just want to call you and tell you I'm going to let it all go. I love you. I forgive you. Let's be friends. I really want to know what it's like to have a dad in my life. So I had the opportunity to forgive my father. And I did forgive him, which is a blessing. It's a blessing thing. But what I want to talk about next is reconciliation. Because there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. They're both hand in hand. They're important. It's a step one and a step two. But the next thing is reconciliation. I just want to read this verse to you, Romans 12, 18. It says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably at all. As much as you can control this, as much as you can do here, live at peace with everybody. So if forgiveness is letting go of a debt or having a debt released or a debt forgiven, right? Reconciliation is making the fact that it, making, making right the fact that a debt was needed in the first place. Reconciliation is mending a wound, amending an offense, of fixing a situation, right? It's, 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 the, it's fixing the fact that it even had to be a debt in the first place. It takes both people to work towards reconciliation and making it right. It doesn't take two people to forgive. If you never apologize for offending me, and I just say, you know what? It's cool. I forgive you anyhow. Forgiveness has been granted. You can receive it. You don't have to. Uh, if, if, if I offend you and you say, you know what? I'm just going to let that go. I love you. Uh, I'm going to walk over here because I'm still mad, but I'm going to walk away. But I forget. You, you let it go. I'm like, well, what? I didn't have anything to be forgiven. It doesn't matter. Like, you have the power to let that debt go, and it's no longer on them. It's no longer on you. That's, the, that's something great that God has given us. You know, Jesus actually says in there, he's like, look, if you forgive people, I'll forgive them too. Like, he lets that go. Something Jesus said out of his mouth, one of those mysterious scriptures. It takes, two, it takes one person to forgive, but it takes two people willing to work together to reconcile. It takes two people saying, listen, we're going to work this situation out. We're going to work together. We're going to fix this relationship that's been mended. We're going uh, to try to remend some things. Like there's two people willing to do that. And you can desire reconciliation with something as much as you want. If the other person isn't running back in your direction, that's not going to happen. That's why it says, so far as it depends on you. Yeah? So far as it depends on you. Here's a, here's a statement that I've, I heard from a mentor a long time ago that I live with. And this is real simple. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. It takes time. It takes time. When the, when the situation has happened and the offense has happened, the reconciliation piece is going to take a lot of time and a lot of walking out to rebuild. Well, depending on the scale of the offense, right? But you know what I'm saying. It takes time. Forgiveness is given and trust is earned. Not everybody that you 
will forgive, you will be able to reconcile with. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go for it. It doesn't mean it's not the goal. It's according to 2 Corinthians, that's the goal. That's the ministry we've been given, the ministry of reconciliation between us and God and between each other. That is the greatest commandment. You can see the cross right there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see the cross right there. That is the goal. Sometimes you, you don't get to reconcile. It doesn't mean you can't forgive. And, and I want to say this, too, because sometimes I think this gets misconstrued with people trying uh, the Bible says, you know, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? Trying to figure out what does it mean to live as somebody honoring Christ in our culture. Sometimes uh, we think that forgiving somebody means putting ourselves in a bad situation to be hurt again. And that's not necessarily the case. It doesn't mean, is it risky? Are you, do you have to give up something to forgive and not get back? Absolutely. You got to die to yourself. And some, it's extremely uncomfortable sometimes. But Jesus calls us to forgive, but it doesn't mean that he's calling you to put yourself in a bad situation. So there might be somebody in an abusive relationship, and because they're called to forgive and they misunderstand reconciliation is, they'll allow themselves to stay there and think that's forgiveness, right? No, you can, you can call the police, send them to jail, and forgive them from behind bars, right? You know what I'm saying? But forgiving somebody and letting the debt go doesn't mean that you're going to be able to fix this situation and put yourself in a bad Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Like, I just, I know that a lot of people sometimes keep themselves in bad situations. So he calls us, Jesus calls us to extreme forgiveness and reconciliation. So this pastor friend of mine that was with this guy, he, he challenged him, like, I need you to put the gun down. I need you to take the bullets out. I need you to calm down. And I need you to forgive your wife. And I'm asking you to forgive your wife. If you want to go and do the divorce, you're okay, but I'm asking you, would you consider forgiving her and reconciling her? And just and the reason why this is a hero situation to me is because that's what happened. They ended up working on their marriage. They ended up working through the hard stuff and the reconciliation work and all of that stuff that he didn't have to do, biblically or practically or whatever. He just he did it anyway. And last I heard, they were you know working things out and things were good. In, in the middle of a situation, stick. I'm telling these extreme examples because it kind of makes somebody, you know, saying the wrong thing on Instagram seem kind of silly. You know what I'm saying? What did they mean when they text me? Yeah, none people are mad. They're not friends no more. Like, it feels, you know, they're a real situation. I mean, that's a big thing, like, if it's a serious situation. But, like, forgiveness and letting stuff go and then reconciling and working things out are really important. So that worked out. And I had an opportunity to forgive my dad. I was blessed with that privilege to forgive my dad and let, his, and let everything he did to me go. Right, I'll tell you one thing he actually did. Like, the, the breaking point for me around that 12 or 13 age, my dad called me, one of the few phone calls I got, and he says, hey, man, I'm going to come. You know, this is when I'm a kid. He says, I'm going to come. Uh, I just bought this cherry red Mustang, and, and I'm going to come pick you up, and we're going to spend the whole summer together. And I'm just excited. I haven't seen him since five. I packed my bags and sat by the door for three days. And I was like, oh, so he lied. And I just snapped. I didn't want to let that go. I didn't. But I did. I forgave him. And it was a sweet moment on the phone. If you could feel the chains falling off another human being, that's what it felt like over the phone. What would it feel like in person? He wanted to run down that weekend. I was like, no, nah, just slow. I need, I need a little time. I just said, I'm going to forgive you. Just give me, give me a couple weeks or something. We'll get together one day. But that was our last conversation. Right after I forgave my father, he actually did pass away. His heart gave out, and he had diabetic complications, drugs, something like that. So I was blessed 
with the opportunity to forgive. By the grace of God, I see how important this is to God that he would allow. I mean, he could have I mean, he could have passed it any time. He's chasing me down for nine months, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And God allowed me the opportunity just to say, man, look, I forgive you. And then, so that's how I know God was involved. I don't know what happened. I don't know all the background situations, but God was involved in this somehow. But I didn't get the privilege to reconcile. I didn't get that privilege to reconcile. And that whole situation took me to my knees and saying, you know what, Jesus, I've been running from you. I've been living my own life. I don't know how all this stuff works. I don't understand this stuff. But you're, you're involved in this somehow. I'm heartbroken. I'm hopeful. But I give up. You take, I just I want to give my life to you. And I've been living for the Lord ever since. So God used that situation to not only teach me forgiveness, to not only teach me reconciliation, but to bring me to himself. A lot of times God will use your dark rooms and your dark places to reveal the light of who he is in contrast. Recognizing the difference between, you know, those, those types of situations. He says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Your part is that you have to go out here and forgive. And reconciliation is always your goal. I had an insurance mentor one time, and he would tell me something real simple that I still live by today. All you can do is all you can do. And all you can do is enough. Simple. Now, obviously, theologically, we're not talking about in our strength and in our power. You can, but just... You do everything you can do with the opportunity God gives you to make these relationships right in wisdom and in safety and pursuing and all of that. I think chasing relationships down the way Jesus chased us down is a good, holy, godly thing. But sometimes you got to let your hands back and just lay your hands and be like, you know what? I forgive you. I love you. I'm here whenever you're ready. And just let things be. Because God is the Savior, not us, yeah? God is the Savior, not us. If there's no peace, you've done your part. You walk away. Um, and we always just try to forgive as Christ did. When I see Christ, and I'm, I'm wrapping up now. We can have the band come up if you guys want. When we see Christ pursuing and chasing us down, I see him going through leaps and hurdles to get to us, to offer forgiveness. On this cross, he looks down at the very guy who just put him there. And he says, why, in the middle of catching his breaths and fighting off asphyxiation and all this. He looks at this guy who just put him there and he says, Father, forgive him because he doesn't know what he's doing. That's the God we serve. This is the great love that's been poured into us that we get to pour out to others. It's the only answer to all the stuff you see on your social media feeds, in your family, at work, on the TV screen, in politics. It's the only answer. Is this unexplainable, unearned, unconditional love with the goal of reconciling and making a relationship right. The relationship is so important to the father. He would go through all this trouble to say, you know what? I could snap my fingers and start this whole thing over again. Instead, I'd rather chase you down and build this relationship with you. The encouragement to us today, I just want to ask a couple of quick questions. If you just close your eyes with me for a second. A couple of quick questions. Who do you need to forgive. Who do you need 
to forgive. And it may not be deep. It may be a small thing. It may be something silly that you're holding on to, and you know it's silly, but it just bothers you. Or it may be something deep at your core that you're like, I can't let this go. Maybe that's true today. But I'm going to ask you to say, God, I want to forgive this person. I'm going to forgive this person. And even if that's not true in my heart right now, God, move my heart in the position to make it right. I need your strength to let this go because I can't do it. I believe if that's your trajectory, you're in the right spot. God is patient with us. Who do you need to forgive? The second question is who do you need to seek forgiveness from? Who do you need to seek forgiveness from? I'm a, listen, maybe you're grown in here and it goes, it's something that goes back to high school that you think about from time to time and you never fixed. As silly as that could be, we got Facebook and you can find people. Who do you need to seek forgiveness from? Who did you offend on the phone or in person last time you saw? You know what it is. And it could be hard, it can break your pride, all of that. And that's good for us. Go through the uncomfortable process of dying to yourself and saying, you know what, I screwed up. Would you please consider forgiving me? And be there for them. The third thing I want to ask you and the final thing is who do you need in addition to that last question? Or listen to the first two. Who do you need to seek reconciliation with? Whether it's your end or their end. This goal is to be reconciled. Christ reconciles us to the Father so we can go forward with the ministry of reconciliation, giving men and women the gospel so they can be reconciled to the God of heaven and person to person. Who do you need to seek reconciliation with? What do you need to work on? Who's reaching out to you that you shut out? Or who do you need to chase down who's not going to come to you? That's a worthy and a holy pursuit. And I think if we don't get these things straight, we botch the gospel. The Father seeks to reconcile us through Christ. Forgiveness purchased on the cross. Reconciled in status and relationship. I'm going to pray right now for you to have the strength to let things go, make things right, trust your God. Father, I thank you for your sons and daughters in front of me, my brothers and sisters. I thank you, Father, that we are able to live with a God who is countercultural to where this world is going and that you would place us in the middle of it and allow us to swim upstream the same way you did and do. I pray, God, that you give my friends the strength to let things go, to make things right, to exemplify what grace and godly living looks like, to seek justice, to seek reconciliation, to do it in wisdom, to show how you can forgive and still not place yourself in a bad situation, but still be willing to risk everything at the same time. How does that work? That doesn't fit together. God, you show us. I pray you give the strength. I pray you make families whole. I pray you heal relationships. And we trust you, God. We just want to love others the way you love us. We worship you dearly. And we thank you that we can do what you said we can. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.